I'm so glad we called SOS. Our AC is the coldest. I'm always the coldest. SOS to the rescue. Hey, this is Dakota Crawford, ride receiver from Louisiana, now playing at Lincoln. When your AC isn't the coldest, you call SOS heating and cooling. Their techs don't make commissions, so they give you an honest opinion, fair pricing, and longer warranties than a competition guaranteed. Take it from the coldest. We will keep you cool this summer. everybody, welcome back to the College Football Uncensored podcast, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host, um, a friend of mine that I just like to visit mansions with on the weekends, Chris Marler. Chris. <laughs> we had a Friday. We did. That, that really uh, turned into a pretty big night, I felt. There was a corgi. I don't know if you already brought that up. There was a corgi. That was the no. most important part for me. Um... It was awesome. I had a blast. Yeah. So um, now that we're actually recording the pod here, uh, we were. T- if you haven't yet, you got to go come check out the live shows on YouTube. We uh, we chat a little bit before we actually start recording. So um, come check us out. But we were just discussing that Chris and I went to the punt and po- uh, punt and pass podcast on Friday. They did a a live show. If you're not familiar. Um, that's drew butler who we just had on as our guest for the uga preview uh him and now jake Fromm have a podcast together he Fromm replaces aaron murray on the pod and uh chris and i went up there to go support drew and and go check it out we met some listeners up there um and then just things evolved and i was i found myself out to dinner with chris's girlfriend's parents uh some of her friends obviously chris and and liz were there as well um it was quite insane and uh yeah we it it took a different turn so chris you are muted um says your mic isn't connected so i'll keep riffing here um but yeah it was cool got to meet uh jake as well hopefully we'll have jake on this this uh season um to to preview or to recap some georgia games jake's a really good dude um, I even heard Chris, I think at, at one time say he's never washing his right hand again after shaking Jake's hand. Have you, have you washed it? It's very sticky, but no, I have not. Oh, that's strange. Um, long lollipops, weirdo. So yeah, so we had met some cool listeners, the people that told, tell, uh, tell us that they listen every week and really appreciate that. So hopefully you guys, uh, can make it out to the live event, which is, yeah somehow already next friday <laughs> yeah what the fuck <laughs> not great uh no it should be a lot of fun uh, american spirit works distillery seven and nine show up at six thirty. um i'm pumped man should be a lot of fun so yeah gonna be a good time me chris hopefully producer dan will be there as well um we met some cool georgia fans this week so maybe uh you know maybe we'll get some a&m fans or some arkansas fans out yeah, after, after the preview today. For that. Um, we've got some guests joining us a little bit later to preview Texas A&M and to preview Arkansas. Um, but there is actually news, like like you said, Chris. Um, first bit right. of news always makes me excited was the AP polls dropped today. So you get excited for that? Well, I think not necessarily to see the poll because I've got some interesting stats here about the poll. 
but it just means yeah. that okay like this is when i go to watch georgia oregon it's going to say number three georgia versus number 11 oregon and, and now i know that right and it just it just makes me happy i mean i don't disagree with that I, like people that say it doesn't matter let me tell you the number one reason why the the preseason poll matters um and this may not be a good thing auburn fans aren't gonna like to hear this but uh -oh. we were talking about this talking about this this weekend remember the 2004 season where auburn was left out of the national championship game and yeah. it is one of the most talked about, um, I don't say like debated or uh, just hotly contested years of, uh, where the national championship, maybe there should have been a, I don't know, a split national title. I, I don't know. Auburn, I don't know what they started out ranked that year, but I do know that USC and Oklahoma started out one versus two and never lost. Auburn was never going to get in that game because of that. So, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm sure a lot of us see fans might feel like it's a bad thing with that example, but it's out. It does matter a little bit. Um, but needless to say, there's going to be a lot of, like, you know, some people that are just egregious misses, some people that were sleeping on, um, some people too high, some people too low. Who do you think was too high and too low? Um, so I'm still uh, kind of baffled that Miami's getting so much love. I mean, like, they, I'm, I get that the recruiting is kind of taking off and, and Crystal Ball is kind of getting the juice around the program, but like they still have the same, same team from last year, who, which not granted they right. have a good QB. Um, I don't, but I don't think they're necessarily going to be challenging like Clemson or anything. Um, I think they're probably maybe a year away, but we'll see. There are some people that are very high on them. Um, to me, Notre Dame, I mean, your brand new coaching staff, you got a new QB. Um, I think they had an injury. Uh, at wide receiver that was pretty massive in camp so i just don't know how notre right. dame would be better than five at the end of the year uh, so they're probably a little overranked. what about you i was a little bit surprised that oklahoma was nine just because of the fact that they lost their head coach they lost um now they have a first year head coach they're in a conference that i think it's probably not better top to bottom necessarily but a little bit improved from the year before um, your main rival blew a almost 20 plus point lead to you last year. Probably won't happen again. And there's a lot of improvement from them. I, I mean, and you lost your best quarterback. I understand they had Dylan Gabriel. I just was kind of surprised by that. Uh, let's see. Gabriel, and remember Gabriel's been with Lebby at UCF right. and put up big numbers under him. So, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I just, something count at 14 after going four and eight. How about no Texas? I mean, I get it uh, yeah, to an extent, surprising. but you know, everybody loves to put Texas in the AP poll. Um, couple stats here: LSU unranked in the AP top twenty-five preseason poll for the first time since two thousand, which wow. snaps a twenty-one year streak. Um, so now the current longest streaks: thirty-four for Ohio State, thirty-four straight AP preseason polls, twenty-three for Oklahoma, twenty-one Georgia, and fifteen Alabama. Wow. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I saw another one. This one isn't as as exciting, but it's the first time since 1974 that neither Florida or Florida State were preseason ranked in the top 25. Kind of like that. Um, something you might not like. Obviously, number one, Bama, uh, 54 total votes, almost unanimous. 16 of the last 18 AP preseason number one ranked teams failed to win the national title. 
Spadum. Yeah, not a huge fan of that. Um, but it makes sense too. Do you know um, the two teams that have done it in the last eighteen? I think I do actually. Um, in the last eighteen, it wasn't Bama twenty seventeen. That is one. I'll give and you a hint, just a small on. hint. It was before that, like much before that. Was it USC? Yes, USC 2004. Correct. Boom. The yeah. only two teams hey. to overcome the number one jinx and win the title. So I, I found that pretty interesting. Um, also, you know, I'm surprised about Clemson being four. I mean, I, I, I get it because they have a ton of de- uh, a ton of talent on that defense and on offense. Really, right. they just need the quarterback to step up, but. They have two brand new coordinators. The quarterback was not good last year. Um, number four should be interesting. Wait, what? For for who? For Clemson. Oh, for oh, for Clemson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason I had NC State in my head, and I was like, that is the opposite of that. Yeah, DJ Uwalungale was the bar set so low, you would think he would have to be better, but still. All right, I got a couple questions for you. Okay. Every year for the past twenty years except one, 2019, there's been at least one preseason top 10 team that finished the season unranked. Mm-hmm. Last year, UNC, Texas A&M, and Iowa State, all. Right. Which team out of this top 10 this year could you see being unranked at the end of the year? Out of this top 10? Yeah. Statistically, it will happen this year. I would say something like, I mean, the easy choice here would be like Baylor if they lose to Texas and Oklahoma. Um, Utah, because they're already at seven. And if they end up losing to USC, um, that's, I mean, I don't think Clemson has enough, man. You think they'll be unranked, though? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, unranked completely out of the top 10. No, top 10. So that the stat was every year for the past 20 years, at least one team out of the top 10 has been unranked at the end of the year. That's crazy. Um, yeah. You know, it will definitely not fucking be Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, I guess like, like I don't know enough about Baylor, um, but I'd have to say, oh, you were Baylor. Yeah, I could, I could also see, I don't know. Some people really like Michigan, but I could see Michigan. I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know what I'd love to. Look RJ Young schedule. didn't have them in their uh, his top twenty-five. All right, here's another one. Since two thousand four, every national championship or every every national champion was ranked among the AP preseason polls top seven, except for two teams. So Auburn in two thousand ten. Yep. Fucking hate you. Um, in the preseason. Preseason. So only two teams have won starting outside of the top seven since 2004. Auburn 2010 is one. Think I feel about like LSU it. is sixth. Uh, I'm just going um, back here. Wouldn't have been Clemson. Wouldn't have been Bama. Wait, would have been Clemson 2016? I don't know who this is, Facebook user, but they are correct. Florida State 2013. Oh, wow. Started number 11 that year. Um, so if you're trying to predict a national championship since 2004, if things hold pretty true to form, right? Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, A&M, or Utah is going to win the national championship this year. Yeah. 
I mean, well, and, and honestly, it'd be two through probably two through seven because of the the way the stats have kind of shaken out with um, right. the number one overall ranking. So, so sometimes you'd say, "Hey, there's nothing to to take from these numbers. It's just a preseason number." But there are some statistics that uh, are pretty strong that have to do with yeah. the preseason poll. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I know people wanted to get into Miles Brennan stepping away from football. We could touch on that. I mean, we just previewed LSU. Our guests right. both said that uh, it pretty much seemed like Brennan was probably running third. So not That's what we heard last expected. week. So I don't think it's a huge deal as far as LSU on the field this year unless something disastrous happens with their top two QBs as far as injuries are concerned. Um, right. But, you know, got to give a, a hat tip to Miles Brennan. He was going into his sixth year of college football. Just could never really kind of break in. I mean, I, he was supposed to be pretty good, and you know, injuries just started to pile up, and um, he's going to take it on down the road. Yeah. I mean, like, I honestly, until last week, I was very surprised that he was not going to be the starter just because of, like, the experience factor and all that kind of stuff. But, I, I mean, I was way off. Yeah. Yeah. So, it looks like Jaden Daniels is going to be the guy. Um, so, they probably need to beef him up a little bit. He he seems quite skinny to be playing yeah. quarterback in the SEC. So we'll see. Well, from but what we heard last week, they were saying that it actually might be Nussmeyer if he wasn't banged up. Yeah, I, I, there is still you know a couple weeks to go. Obviously, huge home, uh, opener, and I I almost said home opener, but that'd be a Freudian slip because it pretty much is a home game against Florida State yeah. in New Orleans. Uh, so should be. Interesting to see how that QB battle shakes out. A couple QB battles in the SEC West outside of that are start, starting to shape up. Um, news out of Auburn. Like, Harson's yep. being kind of coy on this, but it sounds like TJ Finley. I was uh, I listened to Josh Pate show earlier today, and he was talking about how he was hearing Finley may be the guy, which would shock yeah. me. I mean, Finley has the measurables for sure. I, I don't think there's a, a player in the – or quarterback in the SEC with a better arm than Calzada. I don't think that makes up for everything. But, I mean, if you think about it, like, again, you, he was not great last year. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think this is – so I think a lot of people just assume Calzada would be the guy just because of the fit in Harson's offense. But do you think this is a good – like a good thing or a bad thing? Is this good news or bad news if you're an Auburn fan and you're and you're hearing that TJ Finley might be the guy? Because you can look at it one of two I mean, ways without knowing what's going on in camp. Either Finley actually looks really good, which we've right. seen the product on the field. It's been up and down. Um, or it's just Calzada's really not working out. Do you, well, what do you think the third, third string guy is Robbie Ashford, the, the freshman. He's looked good at times, but I don't think he's going to. I don't think I don't think Harson's going to put this season in, in the hands of a freshman. Right. Unless it was like, you know. A, a generational type kid. Um, I don't think it's like great or, you know, like, or horrific or like, like the way to describe it. Like, I don't think it's like, like this is great news or this is horrible news. I think it's just news because one, Harson is not going to jeopardize that position, especially after how everything handled, like was handled at the end of last season. Um, the other part of it is that like, it's not like Calzada was some world beater, right? I mean, TJ Finley, we we saw him pretty banged up last year, but I think he's also the guy that kind of came back and won you the Georgia State game, which I don't know how much that how much street cred that gives you. Um, but I will say he just got arrested last week. 
Is that Calzada did? Or Finley? Oh, yeah, Finley. No. Sorry, I was like, Jesus Christ. Both this is all a part of the blueprint <laughs> yeah, for yeah. Auburn to win a title. Right, right. You get a quarterback that's interested. Now, listen, if he would have been kicked out of another school, yeah. I mean, like, that's why I brought this up last week. Everyone thought I was joking, but like Ajay Hall, receiver from Texas, quarterback at Auburn. Hear me out there. Probably not. He, well, he was at another school. He just didn't get kicked out. Not yet. Or so we think. Trying to get rid of that boot on his car. Um, no, I mean, I don't think it's anything that's like great news, bad news, anything like that. I think it's the first scrimmage. Um, I think we just all kind of expected Calzada to start, but for what? Right? Like, for what reason? Yeah, I mean, I guess just like any, you know, why would he have transferred to Auburn if he wasn't pretty much knowing that he was going to be the starter? That's the only thing, really. Well, because he wasn't going to play in, at a and I mean, uh, by the way, there's some uh, juicy rumors going on there as far as their recruiting quarterback. For who? You saw who visited them, right? Unofficially. No. The number one QB in the country committed to USC. Oh, Malachi. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. Malachi Nelson. I'm just going to watch that closely. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so TJ Finley and then obviously Jackson Dart seems like he's kind of, which I think that's more was the assumption that he would have the job at Ole right. Miss. But it sounds like after, you know, this first little bit here of camp, he's got the, the leg up. Um, Want to go over to Texas? A lot going on in Texas right now. Yeah, I'm down with that. So... A couple things on their docket. None of them seem good, in my opinion. Um, so you've got the two major losses that they had uh, with knee injuries in this last scrimmage. You had Isaiah Nayor, who was the transfer front wide receiver from Wyoming. He was mm-hmm. going to be a big part of what they did. He, had, he was really good at Wyoming. Um, he tore his ACL. Unfortunately, he'll be out for the year. Um, Angelo, who is uh, junior Angelo, who's a, their most experienced O-line. Started all 12 games last year, six at left guard, six, six at right guard. Um, right. He t- tears his ACL. Um, so your best and most experienced O-lineman gone now for the year. A true freshman backed him up, so we'll see what happens there. You got a Jai Hall suspended indefinitely uh, for being arrested. Um, continuing a bit of a trend, a troubling trend for him uh, when it comes to things that don't even involve football at all. Um they had their second leading rusher from last year. He be- he got banged up in the in the sk- scrimmage as well. Good Not expected God. to be long term, right? And then the most surprising thing out of all this, uh, Hudson Card running first team over Quinn Ewers. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. So I guess we haven't locked in those Texas to the uh, <laughs> to the uh, playoffs. Good thing we didn't preview Texas. Yeah. I think so. If you guys saw this on social media this weekend, um, did you see the meme that somebody made of like the all gas, no brakes thing, but with the boot on it, on the car? Mm -mm. So like Texas came out with like a recruiting graphic and it's like a burnt orange Lamborghini in front of the stadium. It's like all gas, no brakes. Somebody did a some Photoshop to it and put a um, like parking tickets on the dash and then a boot on the front wheel. Right. And it was Robert Barron's, the guy who we we're going to interview later for a Oh, uh, nice. So I'm pretty fired up about that. 
but yeah, man. So um, that's pretty crazy. Also, Florida had another good weekend in recruiting, which was which was pretty uh, big for them. Yes. Um, I heard rumors. I don't know how true it is, but that that Eli Ricks is not playing with the ones yet at Bama. Should be kind of surprised. That's, that's interesting. I wonder. You know, a year off for him at LSU mainly because he just kind of just didn't seem like he really wanted to be right. playing for LSU. You, you wonder where his head's at if he's not running the ones. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So a lot of storylines popping up this week. That that means that we're getting close. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, did you see Clemson's uh, DN Xavier Thomas, former five star number one pass rusher, Carted off the field. Uh, he's out at least six weeks for Clemson. I did not see that. Isn't that the same? He's been there since the 2018 national title game. Yeah, he's been there, it seems like, forever. I thought he'd be Jesus like Christ. three and out. but Yeah. Yeah, I do want to give a shout-out to Florida. I mean, look, I'm a Florida State guy, but obviously a couple months ago people were freaking out about Billy Napier's ability to recruit. Which, right. you know, I played into it a little bit for fun because why not? Um, but come on, the guy had barely been there for a couple months. Um, and now it seems like they're really starting to step up their game on the recruiting trail. Um, yeah. Over the over the week, like last year, they, they were 51 in total defense. They couldn't stop the run all year. They were 85th in stopping the run. What do they do this week? You got the Kelby Collins, who chose Florida over Alabama and Georgia. Cameron mm-hmm. James on the D-line. He chooses Florida over Georgia, uh, as well as many other teams, including Alabama. Uh, you had another D-lineman, top 100 guy as well, Will Norman, uh, commits to Florida over LSU and A&M. Then they get the number two linebacker in the 2024 class to go along with some guys that they'd already kind of started to stack up uh, leading into this week. Florida... It's right. turning up the pressure a little bit on the recruiting trail. You know what I'm excited for, besides all of that, is the actual season. So we don't have to talk about recruiting anymore. That's going to be the fucking best. Um, I heard some juicy info on on uh, Justice Hayes, by the way. The running back recruit? Or Haynes, the kid that went to Bama over to uh, Georgia. If you're a Georgia fan... Maybe maybe you uh, you lucked out. Maybe that's not a guy you necessarily want long term. Oh, from what I was told from some people close to that situation. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Well, we won't we won't delve into that, but that's that'll just be something to watch as well. Uh, so we do. So we're doing Arkansas first, correct? Right. I'm waiting on. We're waiting on Ty Richardson from Ty or from ESPN. Um. Arkansas hit that line. Dude has been, he actually used to work for us. I've known him for years. Fantastic guy. Um, I mean, the link has been sent, so we're just waiting on him to click it. Um, okay. But he actually, he previewed uh, Arkansas last year with us as well. So yeah. why don't Good you deal. and I get into it a little bit and, and go through some of like just the ins and outs of like, like, you know, the record obviously last year they were nine and three or nine and four. Um, they return a decent amount of, of starters on offense, especially they are one of, I forgot how many teams, but very few in the country that return their, their um, offensive and defensive coordinator for the third consecutive season, which, which is great. KJ Jefferson, obviously, is a big name that returns. You lose a couple big names. Um, well, I mean, you lose one big name, especially, right? 
your best receiver, the best receiver you've had in a minute, Traylon Burks. But you go to the portal, you get two former five stars with Hazelwood uh, and also Drew Sanders. I think Drew Sanders is going to be really good and be an instant impact, that outside linebacker, not just because he played at Bama, but because the fact that it wasn't like he got beat out at Bama because he wasn't any good. He got beat out by Dallas Turner, who might be one of the best players in the country. Um, anyway, so I think there's a lot to look forward to this season for Arkansas. A lot of optimism. Um, some people have them – where were they ranked again? Were they – I've seen some people have them, like, top 10 in, in their preseason poll. I don't think – I think it's a little bit strong. Uh, but Pittman's done a really good job. He's 16-6 and six against the spread, like we pointed out before. Ty is in the there building as well. All right, let's uh, let's get this going. Uh, Great lighting. There he is, man yes. of the hour. You're adorable. Does that look okay? I know you don't have. Much no, you look like shit, but it's fine. <laughs> look at that hair. I got out of the shower. Oh, oh. All righty. All right, so. We got like 15 minutes to break down um, Arkansas. We appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, it's been a minute. You've been you've been traveling all over the place. Been kind of like an outdoor cat, just, just going from place to place and uh, all over. A gypsy. Fucking frozen. What's that? <laughs> a gypsy, Marler. That's right. Uh, all right, Arkansas. Good to see you again, by the way. Glad to have you back on this year for another preview. You were you were fired up on Arkansas last preseason. Um, I remember taking the over just based solely on how fired up you were. Uh, so I appreciate that on the win totals. Um, this year we were just talking about before you came on, both coordinators back. I'm a huge, huge fan of Kendall Bryles. Um, so I heard a crazy stat today that it's the first time as an offensive coordinator and QB coach that he's had a returning QB in his, in his, he's had a long career, but in his career. Um, so a lot of, a lot to be excited about on offense. Um, KJ Jefferson, obviously back turned into a really good QB. I don't think people saw that coming except for you. Um, I don't think he's the perfect quarterback, but Bryle's system, you know, spreading out the receivers super wide, opening up the middle of that, that uh, defense to be able to run, and get receivers one on one is like perfect for KJ Jefferson. So how has he looked in uh, in camp here? KJ's better than he was last year, I think. And I know a lot of people are concerned about the departure of Traylon Burks guys, but I think that he's gonna show people once again that undervalued. He's seeing lists where he's not even included the top five of SEC quarterbacks, and honestly, that's probably pissing him off. I, I don't know how cocky of a young man he is. He comes across as confident, and I think there's a big difference. But, yeah, the Bryles thing, Huck, that you just brought up, I remember hearing that in the offseason and just kind of, like, stopping. I'm like, there's no way that's right. So we've got a chance to talk with Seth, Seth Russell and some other quarterbacks that he's had at Baylor, and then Frank's obviously at Arkansas, now KJ. And that – I don't think you could undervalue that because he is one of the better offensive minds in the game, and – so, yeah, this season from an Arkansas standpoint offensively, this is going to be the best offense that Ken O'Brien has had at his disposal to this point. How, how, how do you think how he's going to be there? I'm getting, I'm getting uh, feedback, uh, from, feedback one of you guys. from one of you guys. I can hear myself. Can hear myself. But, anyways, but anyways, 
how long do you think he'll be there? Because obviously, I think a lot of it has to do with his last name. Hold up, hold up, hold up. What is happening? Why is there an echo? Yeah, all right. People in the chat hear the echo too. Might be you, Ty. Try try muting real fast. All right, it is you. Okay. Um. So so Bryles. Yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. Stay on mute and then okay, cool. So Bryles, I think at least at this point, you know, a G five school, you'd think would have picked him up as head coach. I think he's got an excellent uh, coaching acumen. How long do you think he's going to be there? I know there's like a little bit of a thing with his last name and and what his dad did at Baylor and all that. But uh, is this the last year for Bryles, or do you think he'll be around for a while? I think Odom's probably more likely to get that head coaching job next. I think the job to watch is what happens in Memphis if Barry Odom ever had a head coaching opportunity. I think that might be a destination where he could wind up. Bryles, kind of like you said, and I don't – I've heard so many different things. I guess I need to go through the documents and read the other stuff because I don't know how much, like, he was impl- implicated compared to his dad. Or, like, I don't I don't have enough knowledge to touch deeply on from that and for athletic directors and chancellors and – board of directors and all that stuff to look into that and make a decision whether he should be the head football coach or whatever. Cause I just don't know enough about it, but right. from a coaching acumen and standpoint, I mean, you're going to see it this year. All I heard about KJ Jefferson in the off season was this guy can't throw. They're not going to be able to do anything. Felipe Franks broke the single season completion percentage record. And then KJ almost came back and beat it the following year. So I think that, his numbers have speak, spoke for themselves. You're the number one rushing attack in the Power Five in the Southeastern Conference and in the West, not in the East. So he's got a lot in his pedigree right now, and it just matters the right fit, right? Uh, you know, you, you just happen to luck into this right fit with Chris Marler, right, Huck? And yeah, yeah. Marler could say the same thing about you, but sometimes I would not. I would not. Yeah. Probably have a better opportunity out there at some point for yourself and definitely take it. Leave Marlo in the dust. But it just depends on there's always the grass, always greener approach. And some guys just like being assistant coaches. Bud Foster, how long was Bud Foster at VTech? Like 40 years? I swear that guy was as old as Beamer. Some guys just like being assistant coaches. I don't know what his kind of thought process is long term, but if they keep winning, he's got a good situation. Abel's cool place, man. Why leave? All right, I I like that. Um, Obviously, the O line is going to be good anytime Pittman's the coach. Uh, So, not not too concerned there. I'm sure. I have major questions about the wide receiver room, and we talked about we 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 did a podcast a couple weeks ago about our biggest questions around the SEC. Um, Obviously, you have some major losses there. You bring in Jaden Hazelwood, who at one point was the number one receiver as a recruit. you know, I think he had a maybe an up and down spring. I don't know if he was. I can't remember uh, hearing much about him. Um, how who steps in at wide receiver? How does Hazelwood look? T- tell a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the receiver room. Hazelwood had a shoulder ding up, so that's why he wasn't. At, maybe he didn't hurt. And spring ball, it's like, wow, you did something in spring ball, and then sometimes a guy does something in spring ball, doesn't do anything postseason or regular season. Then you hear about a guy that didn't do anything in spring ball. Explodes for 700 yards. So I don't know how much to take into the fact. I just know what I've heard from the wide receivers lately is they're kind of sick and tired of hearing about Burks. They they loved him. The guys that were there last year that are still here, 
Loved him as a teammate. He was that alpha. When they had a third and six, you knew who was getting the first down. But Traylon's a Tennessee Titan now. He's not on this team anymore. And I think that you've heard from several of the guys, it's like, hey, we're not we're not scrubs. They had a bunch of four. I mean, Jane Hazelwood was the number one recruit from a wide receiver standpoint in the class of either 2018 or 2019. Keetra Jackson was a four-star out of Royce City, Texas. Warren Thompson was a four-star wide receiver. They've got some guys that are, I think the most of the the average high in the wide receiver room is like 6'3". That Matt Laners kid, 6'5", and can absolutely apparently fly. They got in the kid, number one recruit out of Arkansas, Isaiah Satania. He ran like incredible track numbers. He's going to be on the track team in the fall. So they've got some guys. If It's kind of like a, a good old juicy pot roast that you got in the oven. You, you, can't, you can't 100% feel if it's going to turn out right and it's going to be that perfect amount of moisture and, and not too mushy and not too hard. Where that thing caramelizes and, and, and you cook it the right amount, which Ken O'Brien knows how to cook things when it comes to that football team and football in general, and that sucker's going to taste good in the fall. And I think Arkansas is going to have a better wide receiver core than people were initially giving them credit for. All right, so looking through some of the, uh, the schedule, man, like I, I want Arkansas to be good. I want you to be happy most of the time. Um, I want – Pittman to be happy all the time. It's been so much fun to watch and like how quickly he's been able to turn that around from the Chad Moore's era and how, era and how awful that was. But the whole idea that eight, nine wins is a gimme now, right? It's a guarantee because of what happened in year two and, and how quickly he's been able to turn everything around. I said this to you a while back. They've had, they've had five seasons in the last 10 years where they've had eight or more losses and they've only had two seasons where they've had eight or more wins. Um, I think that he's turned a corner. Obviously, he's recruiting well. But looking at the schedule, what what scares you most? What game do you think is a must-win um, and can kind of be like a catalyst to maybe, you know, get the ball rolling kind of like last year, that A&M, that A&M, that win? A&M win? Um, um, or is there a game that you have circled that could be the wheels could fall? I think the bye – and the Auburn game following that by is the biggest thing. They've got to regroup. They've got to replenish. You've got Auburn, three straight home games, and you close out Missouri. That back half of the schedule, it's not easy, but it's easier than the front half when you have Ole Miss, LSU, and Missouri all in the month of November in addition to Liberty. Again, by no means am I chalking up four wins, but if you can start out that five-game stretch with a win on the road against Auburn, a place they have not won since 2012. And then you got three straight games at home, games at home, and then a game in Missouri, which I think Missouri is going to be horrible this year. That's, to me, the setup for how you finish strong with this football team. There are – I mean, there are so many games with the non-conference games, including BYU. You can make a case that the swing game is a non-conference game, but you probably can't do that on any other – SEC schedule outside of Arkansas just because of how tough those games actually are. But when you say schedule, and you say that, that's a very, I think it's a fair argument. But every SEC team has a tough schedule. I mean, they are brutal this year when you look across where Alabama, as much as they're going to be extremely good this year, 
And you're got you got the A on right now. Got to go to Oxford, Knoxville, Fayetteville. Got to play the A and M game, which I think they're going to run over A and M. See what happens at Austin. I just I think that every SEC team has a tough schedule, and Arkansas is just a part of that group. It might be a little bit harder with Cincy and BYU. Man, the SEC is just not easy, especially the West. It's just ain't it ain't easy right now, boys. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I on defense, I'm a little worried for Arkansas. You know, Odom, uh, he runs a three-two-six. Um, you look at the D line; the top three in, in terms of snap count are gone. Um, they did add some quality transfers. Uh, you you lose four of your top five tacklers. Um, your top two in snap count at linebacker, I believe, are gone. Um, is the defense how bad does it drop off this year? Uh, in your uh, opinion, in your opinion, I think that the addition of Drew Sanders, if they had not added the pieces that they did out of the portal, we're, we've got we're having a completely different conversation on this defense. But I think about adding Jordan Dominique out of Georgia Tech, Terry Hampton, who El Dorado, Arkansas, Southern Arkansas kid that. Arkansas State, and now comes to Arkansas. You've got, we've talked about the offensive players, Landon Jackson, uh, Dwight Newdy, McLaughlin. I mean, they added a bunch of pieces. Latavius Brinney, Brinney, however you say his name. Uh, you're going to see all those guys play significant minutes, if not start, I think, at some point. That That's how vital, because we saw it last year with Trey Williams, Markel Lutze, and John Ridgway. All three of those transfers they got in played significant minutes. In fact, they all started. I I don't know if there's they're going to be that major of a drop-off. Now, it's difficult to kind of stomach that when you lose Grant Morgan, Hayden Henry. I know you lost Greg Brooks and Joe Fouché to LSU. But I just – you got Catalan back. Catalan was injured, I think it was the A&M game. And then after, I think, the Ole Miss game, he was done. He's your All-American safety, and he's back. Now, that's not to say he's going to get injured – or not get injured, excuse me – but the fact that he's back and you sell Bumper Pool, who right now ranks second in all of college football in the returning players with tackles, I just – guys, I don't see it taking that big of a drop-off. Now, it might not be a top three defense in the SEC, but I don't see them going from kind of middle of the pack to like 12th or 11th. I think it's going to be more mid-tier than it is kind of back of the group. All right, so um, last year you won nine. This year the win total is seven and a half. Um, got Phil Steele's number four uh, hardest schedule in the country for 2022. Um, the, the, the schedule is daunting, obviously. You got Cincinnati to open. It's at home. Pittman's 5-0 and o versus the non-con. Um, Missouri State got Bobby Petrino coming back in the house. Uh, that's that's a pretty interesting line. Obviously, it's not going to be a game. Um, you've got Bama at home. Um, you go on the road to Auburn, Mississippi State, and Missouri, and BYU. First time ever going uh, playing BYU. Um, what are you doing with the with the over of seven or over under seven and a half? I'm going over. I've got them very on the kind of moderate side. I've got them at eight wins. I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope I've never been more wrong in my entire life and they get nine or ten. I could see them having that Ole Miss type of last year where they get that second place in the West and are still 
thoroughly behind Alabama because I think Ole Miss with two losses was behind them two games. They lost to Alabama. I can't remember who else almost lost to, but that's where I could see Arkansas going. I, I, I can't see them losing more than five regular season games. I think the lowest threshold for them is five. I mean, that would – an apocalyptic scenario, KJ gets hurt. They have another decimating injury. But the depth's always going to be a concern for Arkansas. You're never going to have the Alabama, Georgia, LSU depth. But you stack up their ones and twos in this league, outside of Georgia and Alabama, maybe A&M, but I just – I don't think there's a lot of drop off when you look at what Arkansas has at their ones and twos compared to really the other team in the SEC outside of maybe Georgia and Alabama guys. Oh, I just removed you on accident. My bad. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Yeah, well, I was I was leaning over as well. I think I, I got trust in what Kendall Browse do. Obviously, outside of catastrophic injury, which I f- feel like for most teams that's how it is. Um, I, I got I got confidence in the uh, seven and a half. Chris, what about you? Under. Um, I hate it. I hate it. Um, I was actually going to go over, but then your audio was such shit tonight. I have to, I'm going to have him go winless. Um, only because I love you and I'm going to give you a hard time. No, I, I just think that schedule's too difficult, man. It's just too much to do. Yeah, that's, listen, that's fair. And I apologize about the audio. I have begged my uh, tenant, or I guess I'm a tenant. What is he? he the, <laughs> the landlord. The landlord the landlord to upgrade our internet. I live with two of my friends and he just, he just hadn't got around to it. So that's i uh, I'll blame that one on, on Seabass. That's uh, that's his fault. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Um, where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, at Thai sports radio. Um, we do a morning show every weekday from six to nine AM central time. And, Marler's coming on trust in the process. I'm going to put you through a freaking cheese grater on Thursday. You're <laughs> so screwed, man. Probably couldn't hear what I said because my audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mean like within my own iPod or AirPods? Is that what you mean by that? Or... <laughs> All right, Ty. We appreciate you coming out. We'll see you soon. Good luck this season. All righty. Well, that was, that was, a, that was, uh... I love that dude. He's the best. He's, he's so, he's, <laughs> We had him on last year, man. He was so fired up for that Texas game. I, I wonder. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I I hope that I'm wrong, but you never know. You never know. Yeah, that audio was a little tough. That was pretty that was bad. Tough. Yeah, that was tough on everybody. Um, yeah, I I like you know the more I read about Bryles and just you know the the actually having returning production at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, Cincinnati loses so much. You know, you put so much into that team last year. They make the playoff. I just don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it could be a tough game, but I think at home, Pittman 5-0 versus non-conference. You have two BYU, but even still, I think you've progressed as a program where right. you should win that. Although the last three times the, the Razorbacks have gone out west, they've lost. So that's a good watch. Um, okay, so um, anything else on Arkansas? Do we have our next guest about to, to come in here? So I sent him um, the invite, but he has not joined yet. Okay. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see KJ Jefferson play. I, I don't really view him as a uh, – like, he could be a really good college QB. I don't really view him as a – like a big-time NFL prospect. Do you? No, not at all. 
there's been some people that have compared it to, to Cam Newton, which I think is a little bit egregious oh, and stupid, um, stupid mainly. I think he's good. I just like, that's a really, that's a lot of, I mean, like he balled out against Ole Miss, which maybe that happens again because it's Ole Miss and that defense. I don't know if he puts up the same numbers he did against, against Bama. I mean, there's, there's games. I brought this up before. He, like he was awful against Georgia, but everybody was awful against Georgia. But you look at the A&M game, right? He was eight of 15 for like a 220 yards, 185 of that was to Traylon Burks on, on two long plays. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I hope I'm wrong. I just think I'm, that, that schedule is just going to be so damn difficult. I will say up next we have A and M, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, they're they're a team that's trending up. Obviously, um, now mm-hmm. wouldn't say that record wise. They were still eight and four last Very year. Good point. Yeah, um, but they are trending up in terms of recruiting, and they did beat Bama last year. So that's that's a feather in the cap there. You wouldn't, you know, I wasn't sure if that would happen. Um, yeah, they're starting to stack pretty talented classes on top of each other. I think. For them, if you look at their um, and and Roberts here in the in the uh, green room waiting for us, um, they're like all their best talent is underclassmen, whether it's true right. freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomore. So I don't know if this is the year, but let's bring in our guest. Uh, yeah, we got Robert Barons, the the creator of look the magical you. meme. Evening, guys. How you doing? Good, doing man. Great, man. Um, welcome back. First off, you were on here last year and it's one of my favorite interviews we did because not only because of your prediction of 12 and 0, <laughs> mainly, I know, I mean, it's fine. You, you, first off, we bought into it immediately too. We yeah. were like, all, <laughs> we all agreed. Fired up. Um, I was so convinced, but no, I, I didn't realize until it might've been halfway through. It might've been three days after how good of a person you are. And so all of the language just flying out of our mouths, mainly mine, <laughs> I was like, Oh, um, but no, you become one of my favorite follows on social media, and and that's saying a lot because the offseason Bama and A and M have had um, right. big, big offseason for A and M. Just just right off the bat, give us like I would say unbiased, but give us your opinion on like the the state of the program where it's at right now. I mean, I think it's certainly you know as much as everyone likes to throw out the stat of um, then you know I think at this point in their tenure that Jimbo has the same record as Kevin Sumlin did through that X number. Mm. Um, but if you look at just where the program is and the trajectory of the program, like the two could not be more different. Um, right. You had someone, you know, started off with like Johnny Menzel winning the Heisman, and like, you know, and just like lightning in a bottle and then kind of, it just got worse and worse every single year. Whereas with Jimbo, you know, you guys were just talking about, you know, it's like, like that talent that's coming in in those recruiting classes. And like you act, you feel like you're building towards something instead of just having something great and then it tapering down. And so, but I mean, just like everybody this time of year, I think people are just ready for the season to get started because we've all mm-hmm. talked as much as we can talk. We've all said as much as we can say. Um, and, it's, and it's time to go prove it on the field um, because I think – as an AM fan, I think we're all very optimistic about what the season could do. Um, I think, and optimistic about, you know, the, the years to come as well. Um, but for AM fans, certainly you hope that this is the year where it's like maybe you are going to see a double digit win season. Maybe you are going to see, if they don't win the West, at least maybe you get to November and it's still right. realistic. You know, you're still in the hunt. Um, 
and so I think that's what AM is looking for is just not another eight and four season and kind of taking that next step to where maybe maybe they're not winning titles, but you see that progress happening to where you can buy into that's where the program is headed. We'll start on offense. Um, Jimbo, I think over the past few years, it's been kind of uh, cliche for people to complain about how his offense is slow pace. They don't, they don't, you know, try for the explosive plays. They're, they're more kind of stuck in the past. Um, and that's been criticized. And and Jimbo goes out and he lands two five-star freshman receivers, uh, Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall. Um, I know as a Florida State fan how hard it was for true freshman receivers to get on the field uh, in Jimbo's offense because he, it's a very tough route tree to learn. But it sounds like at least Evan Stewart, if not both those kids, may see pretty extended playing time this year. So who are going to be the playmakers on offense this year? Yeah, I mean, you touched on Evan Stewart and um... – he is one of those guys that, you know, there's, there are five-star guys that, like you said, come in and um, just don't see the field. You're one, and Demond Demas was a guy that, you know, through two yeah. years saw the field. Um, and a lot of other issues with him we're not going to get into. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, Evan Stewart, just as far as the way they talk about him, reminds me a lot of Christian Kirk uh, when he came to A&M back in 2014, where it was a guy that – as soon as he stepped on the field, he was the best receiver on the field. Um, and the guy, and not just athleticism, but just is a true receiver that knows, you know, knows how to run a route and knows, you know, and has good hands and kind of is that whole, that whole package. So, um, I mean, I hate to boast, you know, and I prop the guy up too much when just he don't is then. Don't. a true freshman that hasn't even played a game yet. But I mean, but all the reports have been glowing and, and, you know, people have nothing but great things to say about him. So, you do hope that that's a guy who can come in right away and kind of be that that game changing talent at receiver that AM really hasn't had under Jimbo. Um, and you, you talked about Chris Marshall as the other five star who I think he's a little bit more of a longer term development guy. Um, super talented, but he, he I think he's only been playing football for like three years. So very much still a lot of learning to do um, as far as learning the position goes. Um, but we've even heard a lot about Noah Thomas, who was a four-star receiver in AM's class. Um, yeah, I think like barely ranked in the top 300 in the country, but he's a guy who's like six foot five, and they say you know, still moves really well, and, and he's been running with like the ones and twos in practice. So, you know, what's uh, interesting is that um, one of the only true freshmen I remember playing under Jimbo at Florida State was Rashad Green, who I believe is on Jimbo's staff now. Is he not, or is, or was that? Is I don't he know. still? He was like, you know, he's a, he obviously wasn't on field, but he's like a GA type. I don't know if he still is or not. Maybe people in the comments know. Um, I know Sean McGuire, former Florida State quarterback, was on as like a GA as well. But I wonder if maybe Rashad Green is is in that receiver room helping those guys, at, you know, learn the playbook because, yeah, historically it's just been very tough for true freshmen to get on the field. But it sounds like Evan Stewart's going to make a, a big difference. Um, yeah. Max Johnson, I'm assuming he's the guy this year. Is it, we don't know, man. Um, yeah. de I definitely headed into the fall. I think that was uh, that was the assumption was that he had the edge because certainly in the spring game, if you're going off that, he seemed to have the much better performance. Um, but through fall camp, I mean, we're hearing a lot of the things we heard about Haynes King that we did last year, that he's kind of taking that edge. Um, now it's like, who knows? You know, who knows how much of that is true? Who knows when Jim O plans on making that, uh, that announcement? I think – Last year, he made that announcement about 10 days out from the game. So, you know, we're, we're certain, certainly coming into that window. Um, 
but I think just at the quarterback position overall, you just feel so much better as an A&M fan because last year I was on here talking about how it was between Haynes King and Zach Calzada. We all thought it was probably going to be Haynes King. Um, and of course, when Haynes King went down less than five quarters into the season, we all, we saw what Zach Calzada could do, which outside of the miracle performance against Alabama, um, you know, the kid was tough as nails. He gave everything he had, but you know, just he limited what you could do offensively. Uh, yeah. I think there's no way around that. And so for AM, just having, I think, three good options between Max Johnson, uh, the LSU transfer, Haynes King, and then true freshman Connor Wigman, who's, you know, a five star recruit himself. Um, just by sheer probabilities, I think you hope that whoever is the winner out of that group uh, is going to be a guy who's going to play pretty well. Because, and, and the way this roster is built, like, you don't need a Heisman level quarterback to win a lot of games. As long as you're getting just above average quarterback play, I think AM could be in almost every game they play this year. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's scary, but it's a good point. I, I want to shift away from anything involving Zach Calzada ever, ever. <laughs> um, so my question is this. The, the defense was really, really good, consistently been really good over the past couple of years. Um, I, I feel like a and is one of those schools that we, we love to give a hard time because of, you know, eight and four stuff. But like before 2020, remember like the whole, the whole narrative was, well, you know, they're always in the top 10. They never produce or they never like, you know, are able to, to like reach the mountaintop or whatever. And then you look at their, their season, like especially in 2019 when they played five top 10 teams, I think four in the top five, like that's outrageous. Um, one big reason for their success, especially in 2020 and last year was, was Elko and the DC is gone. He's been there. For, he was there for four years. Now he's a head coach at Duke. You have DJ Durkin, who is just beloved by all fans outside of college station, which we're not going to get into. Um, but how is the defense going to look this year? Because you do have a lot of experience in the, in the back end, like secondary should be really good. But a lot of the, like the, the front four, especially maybe like they should be super talented, just very young. What do you expect from the defense? Yeah. Um, I mean, you hit on all kind of the, the question marks would be the fact that, like you said, replacing Mike Elko, who had been here for all four of Jimbo's years in college station. Um, so while from everything we've heard, I think the scheme is probably going to be relatively unchanged. Like they're still going to run a four, two, five. Um, one of the best things that Elko had was like halftime adjustments. And that was something mm-hmm. an M fan, you know, you would see things that uh, weren't working in the first half, but you always had that confidence at halftime. They were going to come in, they were going to figure something out and they were going to lock it down. And, and more often right. than not, they did. Um, so, I mean, coordinator. Yeah. It's like, I have, I have no idea. I'm, I'm when it comes to X's and O's, I'm an idiot. So I have no <laughs> idea what to expect. It, yeah, you, just kind of, you kind of hope that just that they made the right hire and that that's good. That thing can just keep on rolling um, because I mean, the secondary should be, I think one of the top units in the country, you know, they lose Leon O'Neill, but other than that, they bring, bring everybody back mm-hmm. plus bring in, um, you know, just once again, a couple five stars, some other high four star DBs just to just provide depth. And that's, you know, I think one thing, across the board that that 2022 class provides is it's not just those, you know, handful of guys that are going to jump into the starting lineup. It's getting that depth to where when X player goes down, you don't have like a, you know, a scrub three-star having to be thrown into the lineup. Right. Um, Going to the defensive line, I think, 
I mean, it's a hard question to answer because you are right. They lost their, like all four of their starters from last year. Um, right. So from that perspective, you could say, Oh, that unit's going to take a step back. But at the same time, that's the position where they have recruited the best, not just in 2022, but in, in the years prior to that. So right. they're looking at, based on like what the depth chart looks like at the moment, as far as practice reports, none of those freshmen are in the starting four. Not, you know, they're all, all still probably going to be in the rotation, but, but that starting four is all sophomores, juniors, as, you know, and, and all guys that while they weren't starters, you know, have seen plenty of game experience. So well, I hate that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, 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 that's McKinley Jackson, uh, Shamar Turner, mm-hmm. uh, to Adelaide, I think Fadil Diggs, uh, and, and, and Isaiah Rakes, I mean, it's all like pretty much almost all top 100 guys, which that's that's the beauty of like. We should I would, not have had him on. I knew I this. Has over recruited that position, like which, you know, you you can try to like question that as from a roster construction standpoint. But man, if there's a right. position over recruit, it's defensive line because you can just when you can just send in like wave after wave of blue chip talent. Yeah, that I mean that's that's how you win games. Look at Georgia last year. Yeah, that's a good point. Second half covers might be a thing in the future for Texas A&M as yeah. they wear down. We're, we're, we're going to be the pioneers of the eight-one-two defense. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got, I mean, there's some freaks on there. Walter Nolan, just an absolute monster. Yeah. Um, linebacker, there's. I, I read there's experience, but not a ton of depth as far as linebacker. Yeah. Yeah, I, if there is one spot where I think we're AM susceptible to injury on defense, it's definitely linebacker. You're looking at uh, Edrin Cooper and Andre White as the two starters. And then mm-hmm. beyond those guys, I mean, kind of like you said, you have like some, some upperclassmen behind them that could step in and, and play if need be. Um, but it's not just like just the top end talent that you see a lot of the other positions. Um, and, and that's a big part of, you know, why I think that's a – priority position for AM in 2023 recruiting. I think they've already got three linebackers are probably uh, looking to add maybe another one, but that definitely is the position where it's like that you look at the most where it's like, if one guy goes down, it starts getting iffy. Do you think they'll probably spend more money on those players at linebacker this year? Then uh, uh, I'm playing with you, Robert. I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hey, my wife maintains the budget. You'll have to ask her. Uh, <laughs> that money is being saved for one Malachi Nelson, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah that's that's the juicy rumor at the moment. Yep. Um, yeah. So I have a follow-up question here on the uh, just a position of not necessarily need, but kind of surprised like how thin it kind of becomes. You you had Weidermeyer last year at right, a tight end who was one of the best tight ends in the SEC, um, has a terrible – I don't know who gave him like uh, advice or who's in his ear to tell him to go pro. Probably not the best decision. Has a, a pretty bad combine. But then losing Baylor Cup was it Baylor Cup? Yep. Yeah. So like, and that was a guy that I was high on coming out of high school because we saw what what, what Jimbo's done with Jay Sternberger. Um, dating ourselves, we saw what he did with with uh, was it Nicholas or O'Leary? What was his name? Yeah, Nicholas. Yeah, every time right. you bring him up, it's diagnosed his grandkid. Um, what is the tight end position going to be like a position of weakness, like where it's noticeable in the offense, or is it going to be one of the situations where you mentioned Stewart, some of the freshman receivers? You, you mentioned, I mean, or you didn't mention, but we don't need to. A chain and Anaya Smith being just dominant forces on offense. Is that going to be a problem, or do you think it'll just be something that kind of develops? Um, I think I think it'll change over the course of the year um, because. Once again, in 2022, a and brought in, you know, 
three of the top tight ends in the country. You had Jake Johnson, brother of Mac Johnson, who was the top. Um, you also had Donovan Green, uh, who was a top 100 guy himself. Well, maybe just outside the top 100. And then, um, believe it or not, Anum signed a, a four-star tight end from Sweden. Who? Sorry, what? Yeah, it, I, he was a guy like he went. He went and did like the camp circuit last summer, uh, you know, summer of twenty twenty one, and just like out of nowhere, was just like got like offered by like ten different programs. Um, right. But so so they have like tons of talent there, but it's all true freshmen. So outside of those guys, you're looking at. Max Wright, who's like he, – he's a fourth or fifth-year player who came in as a defensive end and then got converted to tight end. You've got a few other guys who have been there for a couple of years but kind of no one that you're super excited about. Right. Uh, so it sounds like Max Wright at the moment is the starter. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of AM fans are very ho-hum about uh, just because he's like he's not a flashy player. He's not going to wow you with, with measurables. Um, yeah. but, uh, and he's not from Sweden, so, I mean, yeah. pretty uncultural, uh, who cares? <laughs> but, but so that really could be one where right now, you know, you have these freshmen that have only been in the system a couple months um, that, you know, they're not there yet, but maybe by mid-October, you know, November, that changes and, and kind of when their knowledge of how what they're supposed to do actually matches up with their talent, they might right. Like, but but that does like, kind of hit on another interesting point is just that, um, you know, in Jimbo's offense at a and like, I think it's almost every year a tight end has been the leading receiver. And that's been either yeah. Bernberger or, or Jalen Weidermeyer. And I'll be interested to see how that changes. A, because I think you don't have just that obvious talent there uh, that, you know, is going to demand the ball. Um, but also, you know, you bring in hopefully more talented wide receiver core. And I don't know if you guys knew this. a actually shuffled their um, offensive assistants around beginning with I Paul. saw that. Yeah. So, oh, so, yeah, James, yeah. So, so James Coley, who, you know, who actually coached wide receivers at Georgia, was coaching tight ends at A&M. He's now with the receivers. Uh, and, and then and Damian Craig is now with quarterbacks. Um, and then the OC, Daryl Dickey, who used to be with quarterbacks, is now coaching tight ends. So they kind of did a little musical chairs there. Um, and – you know, me, like, just from the pure optimist standpoint, I want to say, well, you know, the tight ends were so successful under James Coley. Now that he's working with receivers, maybe he'll be able to do, work his magic over on those guys. Yeah. Um, but I do think that and, – and Jimbo and, and Dickey have both been vocal that, like, they want to be, be more vertical this year. And they've even, you know, gone as far to say is that, like, they have the guys that will allow them to be more vertical this year. Yeah. So it'll well, be interesting it's, it's to see how much that actually translate on onto the field. What's surprising too is like I mean like you you brought it up and it's it's plain as day to see now like if you had Weidermeyer and you had Sternberger and those are your best like receiving tight ends whoever has the most difficult last name to spell and it's probably the kid from Sweden is going to be your starter just bottom First, line yeah 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 it's yeah. also it's yeah there there's Wright uh, Johnson Green and then. Orstrom, which has an H thrown in there somewhere. Ooh. Boom. Yep. So, yeah. We figured it out together. Todd, what do you have? I like it. Uh, the, the win total is eight and a half. Looking at the schedule, let's just say, you know, yeah. they're they're right at that. They're they're either at eight or nine. What's one of the swing games you think is going to be kind of a toss-up that worries you about uh, preventing uh, them from going over the eight and a half? Um, I, I think it starts week three against Miami. That's 
you know, like that's like everyone is in love with Miami right now. Is there? That was a game that a year ago we were looking at like, okay, like it's it's a name program, but probably a pretty easy win. Um, but you know, they bring in Cristobal, they bring in a great staff, they're doing well in recruiting, and we'll see. You know, I, I think. It, that and like, once again, that's the thing I hate about this time of year is that we're sitting here talking about like that that could be a huge measuring stick game, and we're probably going to get to week three. And if AM wins, like especially if they win convincingly, I'm just going to be like through the roof excited. And then of course, you know that just means that Miami's going to go seven and five and <laughs> by the end of the year. That that game's not going to mean anything. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm with you there. I, it's tough because Miami, you know, they weren't like really good last year, and it's the same roster. I think. Yeah, they're kind of like A and M in the fact that I think if you look forward, Miami has a lot to be excited about, just like A and M does. But I think this year Miami brings back the same team they did last year, uh, minus a couple of really good receivers that went in the NFL. I just don't know if that early in the season they have a really good QB, obviously. But Jimbo's obviously seven one against Miami, and uh, I loved every second of that when he was oh, at I, I, State. I'm, I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So outside, sorry, outside of Miami game. I mean, I feel like, you know, and I will go ahead and say, Chris, I'm chalking up Bama as a loss this year. Um, just I, I feel like there, there's just too much working against us there. But outside of that, like, I feel like the SEC West, I don't remember the last time that I just sit here and, like, looked at, like, the rest of the teams in the West and was like, right. I don't know what anyone's going to be. Like, you know, LSU, LSU could be good. They could suck. Auburn is probably going to suck, but they could be good. Um, right. I, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, like, you know, they, they could go either way. Like Arkansas, we think is going to be good, but they lost a lot from last year. So it's, you know, I, I've never been like less confident in like what that hierarchy of those teams is going to be. Yeah. Good point. Well, so, I mean, you kind of gave your answer to it, but I, 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 I just my how the tables have turned. I've said all offseason, I don't think that the Bama A&M game is, is just like a, a gimme for Bama. Um, despite Jimbo acting like, in my opinion, what would be an a-hole. I will say myself. <laughs> Uh, this offseason. I understand all the, the other stuff that led up to it. Um, but what I'll say is this, like you look at, and, and admittedly, this might just be because I'm still like, like seeing PTSD from last year when Zach Calzada beat Bama. Um, but that being said, you look at what, like what the weakness of last year's Bama team was, which was ACLs, li- like literally, and then also the offensive line. Like ACLs for two games, the offensive line the entire season. The offensive line was horrible. Um, it was one of the main factors. I feel like if you look at like where A and M separated themselves against Bama that day, not just you know with special teams and quarterback play, they were really good on the offensive line. There weren't a lot of pressures. I don't think they gave up any sacks. Um, Will Anderson was contained. All of the talent that A and M is coming in is at a position that is not only one of the most important positions, like in. SEC football year in and year out and, you know, games being one of the trenches. But also it is the biggest, like, I think it's the most significant position where they could have an upper hand because of how bad Bama's offensive line is. If, if you, if that game gets to late in the fourth and they are tied and somebody comes up and says, Robert, listen, you guys can win this game, but you go eight and four again. <laughs> yeah. And you might even be undefeated at that point. You taking that, or are you are you going like the rest of the season with like a, a close family loss? Maybe I don't know, um, and then seeing how the rest of the season plays out. I I will gladly take the Bama loss and, and take our chances the rest of the way. Um, because I, yeah, I think okay, good. and and I, like 
I'm, I'm so sick of eight and four jokes. I can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and for AM, I think it's just one of those things because, like, like you mentioned, 2020, that like as great as that season was because it was a COVID season, I think a lot of people from the outside just kind of dismiss it as if, like, well, it's like that doesn't really count. Um, and so, not me and you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah, the Bama fans are like our, our lone lone compadres there, but uh, but it's like but if you can if you can do something this year if you can go ten and two, um, then all of a sudden you can say look it's like in the last three years like you know that that eight and four season the outlier it's not the norm, mm-hmm. um, and right. so that's that's I think that's part of AM fans are just you know, desperate to try to get over that hump try to try to show that yeah. we're headed in the right direction. If he goes seven and five, is he in trouble? Losing to Bama. Because, I mean, there's no shame in losing to Bama, especially in Tuscaloosa. And when they're going to have, you know, it's going to be a revenge game just based on last year, all the, you know, Jimbo and Saban crap. You know, it's like everyone's going to have that game circled. So I think A&M, you know, they might have snuck up on Bama a little bit last year just because A&M looked like a lame duck going into the game. Um, So, but that's not going to happen this year for sure. Right. (laughs) No, Chris, he's not going to be in trouble if they go seven and five with those recruiting classes. Well, but, but like, serious question: like, if it, what is it going to like? What would it take for him to be like not on thin ice or in the hot seat? Because I and I understand all the stuff like in the, the positive momentum, but like, if they go six and six, or they go seven and five, and there's like, and there's not a notable win on the schedule. What what is the the attitude of the fan base going <laughs> into next year? You think? Um. <laughs> I mean, pissed, you know, like for no. sure. And, you know, I feel like, you know, we're at like, we're at year five and especially with the roster he's put together, there's like, there's really, there's no excuses for, for not, you know, being nine and three, 10 and two, even better than that. Um, now, now granted, I was like, there's always context because, because I'll, I'll, right. I'll be the first to tell you, like, you can sit there and look at eight and eight and four from last year. And I'll tell you, well, it's like, you know, I, I was telling people before the season started, I said it on here that like quarterback and offensive line were AM's two question marks going into last year. That just also happened to be where they had the most injuries happen. Um, right. And so, you know, it's like, so uh, context matters. So yeah. not, not every win is created equal. Not every loss is created equal and kind of, you know, who actually played in the game and everything, all of that plays into it. But ultimately, um, you know, all people will remember is what your record was. So, yeah. True. Now, as far as like actually him being actually on the hot seat, like his, that buyout is so massive. Like <laughs> after so this, after this season, he still has nine guaranteed years. <laughs> 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 so it's like even if he goes like you, even if he goes four and eight, like you, I, I think you just and, and that was I think part of just AM's gamble when when they lured him away I, is I think they just said they're like look we're pushing the, all of our chips in the right. middle of the Jimbo. And if it doesn't work out, like it's go, it literally is going to cost us like a decade before we get back from it. Uh, but that's, that's the gamble they what took. What is the buyout? Uh, I think it's like the rest of his contract. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's guaranteed. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause we fully guaranteed it when we hired him. And yeah. then, then last summer, because of all the LSU, you know, yeah. trying to, him, like he got essentially, three years added on to it every year jimbo just flirts with lsu and gets raises it's unbelievable (laughs) uh all right so it sounds like let's get an official prediction here the win total eight and a half um you going over or under this year for 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 a&m i'm I'm going for sure over um 
I was like, and if I'm going to predict a win and loss, I'm going to say 10 and two. Um, and and I've, I've already touched on it a little bit here, but I think one of those losses coming to Bama and then the other one, I kind of have no idea where it's coming from, but it's just like over the course of that schedule, I think there's, you know, there's like at least half a dozen games where you're saying like, okay, that, that team is at least good enough to trip us up, even if they're not like right. they're not favored, but just, you know, the odds say at some point you're going to drop one of those, whether it's Florida, Ole Miss, LSU, you know, like na- name your team on that schedule. Um, I, I would say the one team that is getting a lot of like play this year is maybe a potential like hot team that I just don't get is South Carolina. Yeah. And it's like, and, and like, and I get, I love Shane Beamer. Like, you know, he's mm-hmm. awesome, awesome to listen to, but I, I mean, I feel like that team kind of overachieved last year and that's with like, you know, they like three of their losses were by 25 points or more. One, <laughs> right. one of those Which is couple, close, but that's like, you know, like they were close. Yeah. Like the A&M game last year through three quarters, they had negative rushing yards. <laughs> oh boy. So hold on. Like we talked about this with somebody. I always, we always forget that that is a rivalry game. That's a trophy trophy game. Right. But there may not be a rivalry game or like, especially over the past two seasons, a game that has been, that one-sided, maybe in the last decade, I don't know, but as A&M and, and South Carolina. Because, like, the year before, it was 41-3, to three, and that's yeah. what caused the whole thing with all the boosters. But there was this openly, you know, like, there was a screaming match at the games, like, if you don't fire Muschamp, like, like y'all did all that. So, pat on the back. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, I'm going to uh, mispronounce the stat, but uh, – when we played South Carolina in baseball this year, yeah, I think Anum's like you just blew the doors off of them, uh, right? In one of the games, we're literally I think Anum scored like like twenty runs, um, and I I tweeted out the set. I said Anum baseball scored more today than South Carolina football did in the past two years against Anum. <laughs> Jesus! Oh boy! Wow! Well, I'm not going to talk about Anum baseball ever again after what I did in the SEC championship uh, or SEC tournament when I. Made a joke about y'all not being able to buy a run when you were down six one to Bama, <laughs> and then came back and won like thirteen to six. But um, yeah, I'm with you on the over, man. I, th- I think they go over as well. Um, and and we appreciate you coming on, man. Tell them where they can find you. Yeah, uh, so I'm the managing editor over at GoodBullHunting.com, which is Texas A&M's SB Nations. Or sorry, SB Nations Texas A&M site. <laughs> uh, and you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at uh, RCB zero five. Fantastic follow on Twitter, by the way. That we were talking about before you came on here, the the all gas no brakes meme, incredible, <laughs> incredible. That was one of those where it was like it was it was Friday evening, and my wife was like asking me to come help make dinner, and I had to act like I was doing something really important, <laughs> right? So, so I could finish my my stupid Photoshop to own the horns. <laughs> it was good. It was it was worth it too. So love it. All right, man. Thanks, Robert. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Anytime. All right. Bye bye. All righty. Um, 10 and 2. We'll see. Jimbo's always good I mean, for one random loss. What, eight and a half? It is. It's eight and a half. 10 and 2 would yeah. be a, a nice, a nice little season for Jimbo uh before that younger talent really starts to kick in. I'll be interested. I, I I'll be interested to see what Evan Stewart does this year. Um yeah. well, before we head out, it's been a long pod. Uh don't forget five stars on on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um Wanted to read a review we got uh, last week. Um, this says Love TV it. shows to podcast. Five stars, obviously. 
Uh, I used to wait all week for certain shows to come out on TV. Since being a full-time college student the last few years at South Alabama, podcasts are all I look forward to now. Love the show from the very beginning. Y'all two are funny and make the Friday drive back home and the Monday morning drive to campus worth it after classes start next week. So I'll be tuning into more of the live shows on YouTube. Uh, hopefully you're in the chat tonight. Uh, you two are awesome. If I haven't said that enough, can't wait for the season. War damn Eagle. Ooh, look at us making friends. Auburn fan. So, uh, yeah, so that's B Ben C 3428 via Apple podcast. So Ben, if you're in the chat, appreciate it, brother. Um, for real man we do appreciate that and uh this has been a good good episode i think we previously yeah. pretty good teams here and um anything else before we let everybody go no man it's just so crazy that next week is game week um, and the live event and the live event so make sure we we'll be pumping that out as well but um you know i think we got a couple more teams to go we got bama we got florida tennessee i'm sure i'm missing some that we're probably not gonna end up doing or like we're not gonna do, Ole Miss, we'll, do sure. we'll do Ole miss as well yeah, um, but let us know if there's anything you want us to uh, also preview going into the year. We'll give our picks and all that kind of stuff next week. And then it'll be game week, like we said, man. Um, I haven't even looked at the week zero lines, but there's uh, – I'm sure we'll be we'll be paying close attention. So Not a ton of great games, but I'll be watching all of them, I'm sure. For sure, for sure. All right, Chris. Uh, well, for Chris, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening to another episode of the College Football Insider Podcast. We will see you later this week for some more previews. Thanks, y'all. Peace.